You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're talking about all the King Kong films, concluding in our review of Kong Skull Island. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. Ah, yes. I was wondering what would break first. Your spirit. All your money. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. God is dead. This city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, yes. Mayor, real wrath of God type stuff. Dead fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian, and with me tonight, special guest Jeremy Benson. Special guest? No, wait. You're you're you're, you're the regular co-host. What are you talking about, man? We're just no. We're, you're the host. I'm the special guest. You're you've been on the show too much to be a special guest. You're like that's what makes it special. Oh, I'm not just a regular guest. <laughs> I am the special guest. Self self described <laughs> special. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, that's cool. No all special right. jokes. That'd be wrong. Uh, that would be that would be wrong. That's uh, it's very unpc. So we're not going. I really want to make one right now though. Me too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're terrible. All right, so we're here talking King Kong. The new movie Kong Skull Island is out in theaters right now. Um, Did pretty good opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, made like sixty one million. Yeah, I think we're. Uh, I don't know if that was the final numbers or not. That's what I heard. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's not as much as uh, Peter Jackson's remake that he did in 05. Well, but that was such a build up to that. Yeah. You know, I mean, coming off like Lord of the Rings and it's Peter Jackson and That's very true. Coming off Lord of the Rings. Yeah, cuz that was that was the last no, the next movie he did after uh Return of the King, right? Yeah. That's crazy. And they had released all those video diaries and Oh yeah, yeah. That's when he started doing all that. Yeah. Peter Jackson. I mean, they they made that movie feel like this is going to be the greatest remake ever. I, I saw that one about I saw about two or three times. Really? Yeah, in the theater. I enjoyed that one a lot, man. I know we're I saw going it once. Once in the theater? Yeah. I, I, just, I thought it was really long. It is really long. That's my only complaint with that film. I remember thinking, man, if you cut this down to an hour and a half, maybe hour 45, it'd be f- great. You mean like the original King Kong's runtime? <laughs> yeah. You know, cut out like the ice skating scene, and yeah, I, I I hear I hear what you're saying, but I also like those scenes too. So it's like, I I hate the ice skating scene. Oh like, really? You don't I hate like that? that scene. Like that is one of those scenes in movies when 
I try to rack my brain around like, how did that happen? You know, if I'm sitting in a room with people and the whole question is like, what are, what are some stuff we want to see King Kong do? Ice skating is not one of the things that's going to pop up in my head. No, I'm with you on that. That's true. But that T-Rex battle scene, man. The T-Rex, I mean, there's some great stuff. Like, I I remember he got in a lot of, like, a lot of crap for the natives. I thought the way the natives looked were awesome. Look, I mean, you can't, you cannot tell this story without being a touch racist, man. I mean, that's the story. You know, if you're going to remake King Kong, it's got Is that racist, though? Yeah, they even call it out in the uh, the 76 version. Like, when they take Kong, it's like they're taking their version of God. Right. They're taking their magic away from their island. So but it is bad. They just, I mean, I don't know. They just look like National Geographic natives to me. I think it's more about, like, how they're portrayed and how the people coming on shore deal with them. I don't, it's the story, man. Like, what do you uh, yeah, do? Yeah, I, I never... I never really. King Kong was the first one was made in 1933. You know what I mean? And and watching that movie, I never thought, ooh, that was a racist scene. The original one, I can see that because, you know, it's the old like. <sighs> I'm talking about Peter Jackson's. <laughs> yeah, well, that one was different. He kind of, I don't know, he portrayed them like they were almost a cannibalistic tribe, almost. You well, know? Then, but there are cannibalistic our... tribes. <laughs> Yeah, so and, and they're not going to be like if you land on an island and you find a tribe of people, they're not going to be a diverse group of tribal people. It's gonna. I'm not trying to be meaner. They're going to be inbred tribal people. On one hand, he's th- gonna, those are facts of life. On, on one hand, he's going to get in trouble for not portraying tribal people realistically, and on the other hand, he's being called a racist for portraying tribal people realistically. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of situation. Right, I can see that. And it was just one of the things I remember, like, one of the criticisms of that movie I did not agree with. I did think it was too long. I thought some of it was a little bit too sappy. But there was some just awesome stuff, too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of awesome in that. Yeah. I don't care much for how King Kong looks in that movie. I mean, he he looks pretty cool. But he just, he looks like a big silverback gorilla. Yeah. You know, but I loved, like, the performance and the emotion out of that call. See, I didn't I didn't mind him looking just like a big silverback gorilla. I get what you mean by yeah. like like in Kong Skull Island, the movie that we're we're going to talk about in a minute. They make him look more like Kong. Yeah, less like just a typical gorilla and more like a character Kong. Yeah. He's got some more human humanesque features, especially there's, like when uh, he's there, standing you know, up. There's almost that missing link kind of Yeah, exactly. Um but, you know, I totally get what Peter Jackson was doing. I mean, we were always told that King Kong was a 50-foot gorilla, and he made him a 50-foot gorilla. Is that how big, is that his height in that one? Uh, it's either 50 or 25 feet. It's one of those two. Probably, it's probably 50. Not near as big as he is on in Kong Skull Island. Or King Kong versus Godzilla. He's also big in that one. Yeah. And King Kong Escapes. <laughs> right before we started recording, I had never even heard of this movie. This... I don't know how I missed it, but... The Toho, the Japanese studio, Toho Studios, it was their sequel to King Kong vs. Godzilla. Although it's not really a sequel, because it doesn't acknowledge that that movie exists at all, and Kong's on like a, a different kind of island than he was in King Kong vs. Godzilla. He has an interesting choreographed wrestling match with a <laughs> T-Rex. That's Gorosaurus, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then there's a, a mechanical... Mechanicong in the film. 
that has little bombs on his belt. <laughs> this, yeah, but he does not use those bombs against Kong, though. No, no, not in the Indian fight. He does not. And the bad guy uh, with the cape and the really bad teeth, his, uh, his I love it, man. His name's Doctor Who. <laughs> and he's looking for chemical X. Yeah, something Element like that. X. Element X. <laughs> that looks like the most awesome party strobe light of all time. Uh, it's. Uh, I love the writing there. Like, what are we going to name the doctor? Doctor Who? The, yeah, that's it. Or what is he looking for? <laughs> It's an element. Which one? I don't know. X. We'll figure it out later. Who's on first? I mean, just how the Toho got involved with the the um. Oh, the what King is Kong this, what is the story with Toho starting to make King Kong films? Yeah, it's insane. So Willis O'Brien, the guy that animated King Kong in the in okay. the thirty three one, he had this idea for King Kong versus Frankenstein, which they were going to call I uh, think King Kong versus Prometheus. You know, uh, Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. So it was a little play on words. You're getting kind of smart. And I forget the name of the producer, but this producer took it, the idea, and got a screenplay written. He was shopping around town. Everybody said no, and he took it to Toho. And they was said, this going to be a giant Frankenstein? Yeah. Yeah, they were going to make a giant Frankenstein. Toho also remade that movie later, uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, where he fights uh, Baragon, this little digging creature that has a horn on its head. Um, anyway, yes, it is as awesome as it sounds. Uh, it's actually not that bad. But anyway. Yeah, so was this animator a Japanese animator? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, he's not Japanese. That's Willis O'Brien, the guy that did the first King Kong. Okay. So he just had the idea, I want to see King Kong fight Frankenstein. a giant Frankenstein. Yeah, that was his idea. And then when Toho got... And it's serious enough on that idea that like he was shopping it and... Yeah, I think Universal was on board with it until they found out like how much the stop motion... Budget was going to be. I have never really thought we should video these for a YouTube channel until the moment, this moment, because I am pretty sure the look on my face is priceless. Yeah. Creating a giant, where are you getting giant body parts to make this giant Frankenstein? The body parts were around some radioactive chemical. <laughs> right. Nuclear. They put Frankenstein together and then, you know, he just, he grew to, it's like food of the gods, man. He got gotcha. some, got a hold of some food of the gods. No, I don't know the whole logic, but I, I mean, I can just I can already hear the throwaway line where the mad professor is like, "We've had him locked in here for years. When Doctor Frankenstein created him, he did not ever stop him from growing, and he has continued to grow for sixty years." Dun dun dun! You open the cavernous door, and there's Frankenstein, still chained to the wall. So he shops this around. Yeah, and this producer. Eventually, illegally. somebody says, you know, it, it's it's a good idea, but we should do it with Godzilla. Yeah, they wanted to bring Godzilla back for their, I forget what anniversary it was for the studio, like the 30th, 40th anniversary for Toho. And do they explain in Godzilla versus Frankenstein, Godzilla versus King Kong, I'm sorry, you've got me thinking about Frankenstein. Somehow or another, doesn't electricity give King Kong power? Yeah, that was left over from the uh, the Frankenstein. Gotcha. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly where that came from. I don't know how that happened in the script, but somewhere that got got left in, and when they were rewriting, and who I don't wins? Know. Who wins that fight? Uh, who wins the fight? Uh, well, Godzilla doesn't come up at the end. They both fall into the ocean at the end because there's an earthquake that happens. Um, at the end, King Kong, you can see him. He comes up and he swims. You don't see Godzilla, and that whole like so it's one to nothing, Kong. You know, I don't know. I'd call that a draw. You know, nobody was really the winner. 
Like there was an earthquake. They fell into a pool. Right, you're starting to sound like the uh, <laughs> the Freddy fans at the end of J- Freddy versus Jason. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Jason didn't win because if you see right at the end, Freddy winks. Well, yeah, he winks, but Jason's carrying his head. That's oh, one nothing, okay, Jason. Well, Kong isn't like swimming home with like Godzilla's tail and no other piece of him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, he left the bitch for dead. <laughs> Godzilla's just laying at the bottom of the ocean. He's like, oh, I'm dead. It happens. Or maybe he found a stick down there and shoved it down his throat. Um, no, he took his jaw and. Yeah, but hey, did you remember that still though from the original King Kong? Where I, I mean, I remember it like in a bunch of books. There's like a, a still of like Willis O'Brien, and he's animating Kong, and he's when he's fighting the T Rex, he's got a stick, and he and he's gonna thr- yeah, shove yeah, it down yeah. its throat. Yeah, but that's not in the movie at all. Well, I'm sure they shot different stuff. I I just I've never I never heard the story behind that. I never even thought about it. Yeah, it just it was. I don't know. I'd always, you know, flip through a monster book. You know, and I stuff think I've always like kid. in my brain. I guess I've always assumed that he's doing the uh, Luke Skywalker thing from Return of the Jedi and prying the T Rex's mouth open. Yeah, that would see. That would be cool. But it's again, it's not in the movie. It's no. Oh, do you remember the first time you saw the original King Kong? Uh, no, I don't either. No, no, I don't, man. I saw it's this. Like, it's like one of those movies that. It, I just have always seen it. Yeah. I was younger than five. I know that. How much younger? I, don't I do remember I getting emotional, like watching King Kong and not wanting him to die. And yeah, dude. not understanding why these these people don't understand. They can't kill him. That first King Kong, man, they put a lot. I mean, I know it's a stop motion, you know, a little puppet and everything. But I mean, they put a lot of emotion in that thing. They give King Kong a lot of beats in that movie. When he's getting shot at the end, you really care for him. Well, and it's it's a really well crafted story too, because you have the, you know, the monster that we as the audience now know is not evil. The rest of the world sees him as evil. He's dangerous. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is like you know tearing some shit up. Yeah, and stepping on people and. But it's it's an accident. And it, well, I don't know. In the original King Kong, like he's he he also finds people kind of tasty. He's like, hey, you know. Hey, I'm, yeah, I'll throw you in my mouth. I noticed you. that they, they stopped doing that in some <laughs> of the the recenter. I think that's the man, I think that's the only one you actually see him eat people. I think it's just implied in a, in a, in other films. Yeah, I don't remember seeing any in in uh Jackson's eating any people. I remember sipping on people and squashing people. But yeah, and in, in the original he right up rips people in half. Yeah. Yeah, dude, like, he treats some of those natives like uh, just shit, like, just straight. There's one shot in the original where he steps on that one guy, and his, like, arms are flapping in the mud, and it cuts to it again, and you see the foot come down a second time. And the guy's just, like, at that point, like, caked into the mud. Or, like, reaching into the Empire State Building, pulling people out and just dropping them. (laughs) Oh, dude, like, yeah, he picks up that one. He's like, oh, hey, look, you're my my little blonde from the island. Oh, what? No, No, you're not. (laughs) Wrong one. (laughs) Throws her down. Like, hey, you're not. Nah, that's not you. It's like, you uh, know, they had to be having so much fun with carnage. The the elevated train scene in New York when he tears that up. That is amazing, man. You can see the little stop motion people coming out of the bottom of the car running away. I love that, man. Kong's. Like reaction, like even when he kills like the T Rex, like he's he's gonna stop and and play with the dead head for a minute. Right. He's, he's like, oh, wait, are you are you okay? You're dead. And well, hey, look at this jaw. This is kind of neat. <laughs> he starts, Did I do that? <laughs> you know, it's just those little. Well, it's moments. very animalistic 
but curious, primitive. It's very well like thought out. Yeah, I mean, he's like taking off uh, uh, bits of uh, Feyre's uh, dress. Man, dude, he they... didn't take it as far as uh, the remake Kong does. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, I didn't. Man, I didn't remember that movie being creepy as a kid. I think that stuff just sort of went over my head as a kid. Yeah. But I remember after um, after Peter Jackson's version came out, like going back and watching the original and then watching the 1970s, and I remember thinking, like, wow, that's very... I, I don't know what he ex- what he thinks he can do, but... Man, he is straight up giving her rape eyes. If you don't, if you don't believe it, go, go back and watch it. Like, he, he takes her clothes off, her boobs are out, he's rubbing around on anything he can touch. Yeah, and dude, I think I only saw this on, on TV as a kid because I do not remember that sequence, man. And what what makes it even more creepy is like right when her right when her breasts fall out, they cut to him going <laughs> like getting excited, like like whoa, yeah, you're a monkey, <laughs> like and just the the I don't know that like the monkey is not really that expressive in the movie. Like his he's got angry face and Kong face, and then. I want to hump this blonde chick face. Right. Right, right before he goes uh, to her boobs, like, he's missing down in her crotch. Oh, yeah, he's totally, like, I mean, that, yeah, he's trying. Dude, I, no, like, his finger's the size of that woman. Right. No. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the director and the editor were thinking, like. I don't know how true, it, well, I guess, I guess it's pretty true, but that director for the Kong, the 76 one, yeah, I think he had some alcohol problems. Around I, that time. I, I could see this. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they had they had a it's lot of Beauty and the Beast, man. Like he wants to fuck her. It's 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 primitive. Man, how do you remake that movie and not put that line at the end? Yeah. Like I mean, that's the that is um one of the most famous lines ever. Maybe they felt like it was too on the nose, and it was the whole like seventies, and I mean, they could have even changed it. They could have been like. Yeah, Denim, it was the choppers that... Oh, I guess, well, Denim, Carl Denim's not in the remake. They have that oil guy. <laughs> you know, the 70s one is so weird because it's just... It's it's watching, like, a movie that is of its time, out of time. Right. <laughs> you know, because, like, they have the whole, like, oh, they're going to the island f- to pump for gas. And it's 70s, the gas shortage right, right. and all that stuff. They bring up Deep Throat in the movie, which in the 70s would have been a big pop culture sensation right like even J- uh, jeff bridges uh character is kind of hippie and jessica lang's character has some weird name where it's not dawn it's i forget what it is she like switches two of the letters but weird, I, I know what you movie. mean it, it's a very dated movie i understand the thinking b- behind like having him climb the world trade center at the time you know you would climb the biggest building in in new york yeah but I do think they missed the like just that iconic image of Kong on the Empire State Building. It, like, to me, that's always going to be that image of Kong in New York. I think I would have still had him climb the Empire State Building. You know, in the original one, in the, the 33, there's a couple of shots in the background where you can't see the Chrysler Building. I see the top of that, and it's like, I don't know, man. That's a pretty badass top. I don't know. <laughs> maybe King Kong. I don't know. We remake it, throw him on top of the Chrysler Building. It's pretty cool looking. I remember, yeah, the first time I went to New York, the first thing I had to do was I want to go to the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. Because that's where King Kong went. Damn straight, man. You know, when Peter Jackson remade it, he made it a period piece. So yeah. That, 
The Plains. Went back to the Plains and the Empire State Building. He got a lot of that movie right. Like, he got a lot exactly. of stuff right. Yeah, like, the, I was going to say, like, the jumping. Like, when Kong actually jumps up in the air and will, like, hit oh, one. Yeah. And it's like, oh, see, man, that's that right there is CGI. That's what CGI can do, man. Give me that monkey up in the air. Yeah, the he, definitely, 70- he definitely fought the planes more than he did in the 70s. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't like the... I didn't like the end of the the seventy six one. It's kind of weak. It, well, it's it's violent and off putting. I remember those like bullet explosions and right, very diehard esque like <laughs> that over the top eighties like bullet wound from yeah, yeah diehard lethal weapon those those eighties films that the little period. squibs just exploding. I remember thinking, man, that's bloody as shit. <laughs> Yeah, for King, it's for King Kong, man. It's like, guys, calm down. But it's almost like the, it's almost like they made that King Kong for little older audiences. It's got yeah. boobs in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. You may have a point there. I don't. I don't guess maybe they were trying to throw something in for uh like adults. Maybe they thought that adults couldn't get into a a fantasy film. But I mean, what I as a kid though? Would you would you think of not having the T Rex and having the giant snake? I hated that. My one of my favorite things in the original King Kong is all the dinosaurs and monsters and creatures, right. and King that Kong kind of creates that environment in that island. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like the Lost World or right. you know, whatever. It's, well, yeah, it's kind of the idea is that they've landed on the Lost World, and, and just so awesome. happens the king of the Lost World is this giant monkey. Man, I love that like like the brontosaur scene in the original King Kong when it like its neck like comes up yeah. out of the water and it starts picking the guys off the raft. That's awesome. The Stegosaurus? Yeah, they, just, they and, skipped all that stuff in the 70s one, didn't they? Yeah. Well, I think they, they ran out of budget because of that damn Kong suit, man. Because they were trying to make a giant mechanical Kong. And you can see it when they bring him to New York and unveil him for the first time in the 76 one. You can see the robot Kong in a couple of the wide shots. It looks bad. So that's why they ended up putting Rick Baker in the suit in that one. And pretty much doing them like those Godzilla movies. Because <laughs> they tried to make a, a full-size King Kong that they could... Yeah, you know, Jaws was really big. Bruce the Shark, that, that was a big story. Have it, did they not hear about, the shark is not working, the I, shark is not working? No, I guess Dino De Laurentiis did not get the memo on that one. God, I, every time I think about Jaws, I'm like, I need to watch that movie. Jaws, Jaws is great, man. So that's got to be one of my top five movies of all time. Man, that's that's a list. I've never gone through a whole like this is my top five. This of all movies. I'm just ma- I'm making a guess just from my gut reaction to when I think about that movie. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so anyway, sorry. Yes, we both agree that like the 30s version of Skull Island is better than the 70s version. Peter Jackson gets it, gets the idea. Oh, hold up, we 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 did not talk about one of the Kong films, man. We did not talk about the sequel that came out the same year as the original 33 film, Son of Kong. Oh, we haven't talked about Kong Lives either. Uh, yeah. Kong Lives. Uh, let's sum that up real quick. Uh, King Kong meets Mrs. Kong. Mrs. Kong has boobs, but Kong still doesn't have a Kong doll. We already know that Kong is obsessed with boobs. Yes. Does he play with the Kong boobs when he has a chance? Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen that. Little throw out to one of our crew members. Do you remember our connection with King Kong Lives? Oh no! What's which one of our movie? Which one of the people on our movie crew from Girl in Woods worked on King Kong Lives? That I don't. I I, I don't know that. 
You don't know this? No. Who who the fuck were oh, are you are you fucking No. Greg Ward. Fucking Greg? Yes. <laughs> Crazy ass Greg? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's our location uh Yeah, our location manager, manager for Girlin Woods in uh oh, Smoky Mountain. This guy Now that guy scared the shit out of me. He, he he's a he's an interesting guy. He was driving on those him to death. <laughs> backwoods so fast. I mean, he knows him. He drives him all the time. Whatever. I, me, city boy, right in the back. Uh, we've never been there. And like, you look out the window, and it's not just like a ditch. You're looking down a 200 foot drop on a mountain, and he's not even looking at the road. He's turn. He's driving, turn back, <laughs> talking to the people in the back seat. Yeah, he's looking at you. And you're like, dude, you got you got to look at the road. He's like, no, man, no, I know these roads like the back of my hand. I'm in the passenger seat, and he's just looking looking at me going you gotta tell me what you want to know jeremy gotta let me in your head please drive greg please drive (laughs) oh my gosh man i'm surprised you didn't hear any of his uh king kong live stories no he did not share a single goddamn one talked about it the whole shoot i can't remember i can't even remember now the production he was he was he was telling me about uh on that but it was not king kong lives I would have a million questions for him. Oh, well, he would have talked about it. He told us all about Linda Hamilton and how where they went to. How the fuck did Linda Hamilton get in that movie? Fire! How did her agent let her get it? How do you go from Terminator, fucking Terminator, to, to fucking King Kong Lives, where Kong, who clearly died at the end of the remake. You hear the heart stop. Yeah, he gets a heart transplant. Oh my gosh. That's actually the best scene in the entire movie. <laughs> it's the heart transplant. It's such an 80s idea. Think about it. All right, we'll start the movie with Kong. And he gets a heart transplant. It, it always felt to me like Superman, the quest for peace. It's like, over mm. here, you've got this kind of, you know, in Superman's case, I think a well-made movie. In Kong's case, a bad-made movie. Yeah, it's all right. And they went, okay, so how do we capitalize on this without spending any money? (laughs) We'll make this. (laughs) And before people know it sucks, they'll have already paid for it. (laughs) Who do we get? Get that girl from the Terminator. People like her. She looks good. We'll We'll throw in another boob shot for her, too, just randomly in the middle of a PG movie for no reason. There's always a reason. <laughs> but, you know, Son of Kong isn't, uh, going back to that, That that's not very good either, but you know, I did like a lot of the story ideas in it. I got totally duped by the Peter Jackson, because you remember he was releasing the production diaries for King Kong, right? Yeah. They released one where he was letting out, like, they've been working behind the scenes, and they were going to do Son of Kong next. And they had artwork and previs and... It was all an April Fool's joke. I mean, that had to be that may go down as like one of the most expensive April Fool's jokes ever. Well, that explains why uh, his his King Kong remake cost uh, like two hundred some million dollars. There you <laughs> right, go. Right, because he wasted a bunch of time playing <laughs> playing jokes. I always, I always remember like being turned off because Kong, the son of Kong, was like white. Like yeah. that didn't make any sense to me. Like, why is he an albino? That ain't Kong, son. I don't know who his mama was. Yeah, well, it's 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 really rushed. Kong doesn't come into the movie until like the last like twenty or thirty minutes, you know. And the, I don't remember much about it. Like I remember watching long. it as a kid. 
Well, I, some of it's cool. Like Carl Denham's back and the the skipper. I remember like at the end, back. people sinking and Son of Kong holding them up. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like Carl Denham's story is like he feels bad about what happened to Kong. You know, like I took him from his island. He's dead, and everybody's suing him. And he that makes sense. Yeah, he joins the uh, the skipper from the the first movie. You know, some other stuff happens in the movie. They end up back on Skull Island. They find Kong's son, and then at the end of the movie, an earthquake happens. Kong's foot gets stuck in a rock. The island goes down into the bottom of the ocean, and the son of Kong drowns. He doesn't save Kong. You felt bad about killing Kong the first time. You go to this island just to watch his son die, and you don't even help him. But if it was an earthquake, then he would have died anyway. Like I know, that's the whole point. Like So even if Carl Denham wasn't there, King Kong's son was still going to die. Do all the natives die too? Oh yeah, everybody dies. So just Skull Islands, just, just mass genocide. <laughs> yeah, there's like three people that make it out at the end of the movie. Instant, yeah, and that's the three white people. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking racist. Save Whitey. <laughs> Fuck those natives. Uh, they went so racist on Son of Kong. They're like, make the monkey white. <laughs> but he's not 100 percent white, so kill him at the end, <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Uh, welcome to Hollywood in the 30s. Oh, man. All right. So, guys, let, let's let's take a break or here. if you look at the Oscars last year, look, welcome to Hollywood up until last year. Oh, yeah. That's right. They had the Oscars. Yeah, uh, they so all like, white. Yeah. Oscars white out. Let's go take a break, uh, play the trailer, and uh, we'll come back and talk about, uh, what's this movie called? Kong Skull Island. King Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. They should have just called the fucking thing Skull Island. Damn fucking marketing departments. Why are you confusing us? These are photos of an island in the South Pacific. The place where myth and science meet. We use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. You're dropping bombs. Scientific instruments. Is that a monkey? You knew that thing was out here? I'm sorry for your man, Colonel. But if you want to make their sacrifice worthwhile, get us home with proof. Monsters exist. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your friend there can put that down. What the hell is this place? That's calm. He's king around here. Kong's pretty good king. Keeps to himself mostly. Well, you don't go into someone's house and start dropping bombs unless you're picking a fight. Kong's god on the island, but the devils live below us. And what are they called? I call them skull crawlers. Why? Never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I say. Just you call them whatever you want. All right, we're back. We're talking Kong, Skull Island. This is a continuation of the Universal, or no, I'm sorry, the Warner Brothers legendary Monsterverse. That was was kicked off by Godzilla. A tremendous film. I really liked it. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. No, dude, that, I, I didn't understand great. the hate for it. I didn't. You know, I felt like Legendary really took all the criticism from Godzilla very much to heart and did the exact opposite for this film. Kong, like the fight scenes, almost all of them, with the exception, I think, of, of one at the end, is in the daylight. I just I just assumed it was a different, you know, different movie, different character. I I mean personally, I really liked everything they did in in Godzilla. How they teased those moments of we're going to see him fight, we're going to see him fight. And you would like start to see him fight and those doors would close and you're really seeing it from like the perspective of the people. This th- th- this movie did not uh well, it it did that a couple times. And it did a couple of the cool lighting gags that they did in Godzilla where they would, like, hide the monster. And there were some cool shots, like that helicopter shot where you're in the helicopter and Kong grabs the helicopter and, it, oh, like, suddenly my. you're looking down. <laughs> that one guy's about ready to fall into his yeah. mouth. Cuts to the sandwich. Oh, uh, spoiler warnings. We're, we are into Kong now. So if you haven't seen the movie, this is a spoiler warning. We'll just go ahead and throw that out right now. Yeah, and overall, I, we'll, we'll both say we like the movie. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. I saw it twice, man. I saw this in 2D and in 3D. Oh, really? How was it in 3D? Uh, 3D was pretty good, man. I was impressed. I you know I don't know if it was a post-conversion or not, but just with the effects and stuff, like, you know, you can't shoot that stuff 3D anyway. But, like, when Kong throws that tree into the first helicopter yeah that was pretty awesome in 3d um there was some what a great for, moment to like way to fighting. introduce what's about to happen dude oh man, i loved how they started the film the heli- uh the helicopter the airplane pilots crashed from landing. 19 in the 40s yeah from world war ii i loved that man young john c Riley and his japanese uh counterpart uh, yeah it turns up to be his buddy at the end you find out Overall, I mean, the writing of this movie is it's classic, like Hollywood adventure fun. And John C. Riley is hilarious. Dude, John C. Riley is the heart of the film. Like, once his character shows back up and he's explaining, like, the importance of Kong, and uh, it's it, like some of the lines are just great. Now, you were talking about the, the script earlier. I, you know, I think that's the only thing I kind of have a problem with in this movie is the, is the screenplay. Really? I didn't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, it's just some of the characters. I feel like we waste a lot of time with all these side characters, and I don't really get to know the main characters that well. I love John C. Riley and Kong, most developed characters in the film. Yeah, I'd say so. And, like, Tom Hiddleston well, they, they, they and Brie really, Larson. They try to develop... Sam Jackson's character, but I'm going to preface yeah. with what I'm about to say with, I I think they wrote the character well. I think Sam Jackson played the character well. I just think he was the wrong choice for the movie. There's a certain point with an actor like Sam Jackson that you have a problem seeing past that that Sam Jackson. If there had been like either a, a, a no-name really good actor in that role... And just, you know, spoiler, he kind of goes on this, like, side mission of wanting to kill Kong while everybody else wants to get off the island. And yeah. they do this whole buildup of, like, you know, trying to show you how bonded his crew is with him, his, you know, soldiers. And he's kind of going crazy. He, this is his last mission. They're just coming out of Vietnam. And 
some of his soldiers are killed by Kong, so he's got this vendetta. It's a little Apocalypse Now kind of crazy soldier thing. If it had been another actor playing that part, I could have bought into the character more, but Sam Jackson plays Sam Jackson, and he does it so well, like, he's entertaining while he's on the screen, but I'm never, I don't buy the character. Get this motherfucking Kong off my motherfucking Skull Island, right. bitch. And they even, you know, they throw in those Sam Jackson moments. Yeah, that, they do. I mean, even his death scene is a Sam Jackson moment. Yeah. First, I thought he wasn't going to do it. Like, there's that yeah. there's that scene where he's in his office, and he looks down at all of his war oh, medals. yes. And he's like, what's all this for? And then he gets the phone call, and, you know, he's this colonel with nothing else to do now. And now he's excited to have this mission but once they hit the island and the shit starts happening, he switches into Sam Jackson and all of that mental breakdown they're trying to tell you he's having is completely missed. When I said I had a problem with the writing, I guess I really have a problem with that military storyline because the, the movie, the main characters kind of split up. The military goes and so in my opinion, on one side and then it, Brie Larson the, and them are on the other. The screenplay works. They do this thing throughout the movie where... Like to show the bond between the the soldiers, one of the soldiers has a son, and he's always writing his son this letter to dear Billy. Yeah, and they all sort of adopt that as their sort of group. They all dear Billy to each other, and that's sort of a you know it's showing camaraderie between them. But where it falls apart is their leader, the guy that they're all sworn to follow. Like as the audience, you never start going, oh, he's going crazy and becoming dangerous. You know, I was I really yeah. liked in the movie I mean, was uh, John Goodman. He was barely in it, though. But for what he was in it, I thought he did. I thought he gave a pretty good performance. Yeah. I just wish he was in the movie more because he is good in the scenes. He, I mean, he's got the best, oh, shit, that's a giant fucking monkey look on his face <laughs> in the movie. Like, his reaction when he's putting down that, like, little 8-millimeter camera yeah. is priceless, man. Like that's that's as good as uh, Sam Neill in Jurassic Park when I, he's taking his. You know, I loved his delivery off. when he's explaining. The perfect example of what I'm talking about. Like right after King Kong attacks, he tears up all their helicopters. Just to give you a little idea of what's going on, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie and you want us to just tell you about it instead of you going to see it, lazy um, bastard. They found Skull Island. It's in the 70s. This first satellite photos are showing up, and boom, there's this island nobody knew about. And for whatever reason, John Goodman's monarch group, he, he wants to go study this island. And It could be hollow, and there could be right. these subterranean creatures. Right. This is where they emerge. So they, they start dropping bombs to read the... They're surfacing the map of the right, island. Right, yeah, they're mapping the island. And later you find out that wakes up the... Skull crawlers, which are awesome, dude. Those is are that a bad cool. name? I've always just said it in my head. I never... <laughs> so they're on there, they're dropping the bombs, and then all of a sudden Kong attacks. He's taking out the helicopters, and that leads to a scene where Sam Jackson's character confronts John Goodman's character. Sam Jackson goes straight into Sam Jackson mode. He sits down across from him, points the gun at him, and he's like, you're going to tell me everything you know, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Another actor at that point. Well, you think at that moment is because it's calling back a little bit too much to his Tarantino work? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's him being Sam Jackson, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm not blaming him. 
he's playing the part the way he would play the part. You're just too famous to play these generic parts. Yeah, no, I can see that. Across from him, John Goodman gives this great performance about how, you know, back in the 50s, the nuclear test, we weren't testing bombs. We were trying to kill something. He talks about how he was on this aircraft carrier and everybody got killed by something. Was that supposed to be Godzilla? I thought so. Yeah, I assumed it was, but I wasn't 100%. Um, So, I mean, and he's, like, delivering it great. And, like, the scene is a little, like, off-centered because he's giving this great, like, delivery of this line while Sam Jackson's being Sam Jackson. And it's, like, breaking that, I don't know, it's just breaking the... I don't know, man. See, that scene, I would say, like, some of that's the right, some of that's the dialogue that Sam Jackson's saying. Because, like, John Goodman actually has, like, now it's just exposition that, you know... But he's delivering it so well. He is, but, I mean... Sam Jackson pretty much just has, like, the badass Steven Seagal, I'm the guy that's going to come in and whoop your ass Right? You know what I mean? So he he doesn't really have a lot of meat. I don't don't know. know. I mean, I I still say you give that to just a lesser-known actor that could really get into that colonel-going-crazy role. The minute he pulls that gun out and the way he's sitting, you can't help but think about Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction... You know, you're so memorable for those movies, man. You do such a great it's, performance. It's, it's, I wish, I wish these directors would think about that before they cast Sam Jackson. I mean, was like, think about it if that was Forrest Whitaker. He's just got such an interesting face, and the way he he chooses to say lines exactly. Like now, put him are in the role. So bizarre. Like now, put him in the role of this colonel going crazy and wanting to kill this giant gorilla. Yeah, that would have been way better. But then he wouldn't be an arrival, so you know we can't. We can't. Have, I don't know. Maybe some of my problem with this movie is really the direction, because uh, the director uh, Jordan Vault Roberts, like some of the death scenes in this movie, I wanted. I didn't. I'm gonna say I wanted. I did laugh out loud. Oh, some of them were hilarious, man. Sometimes though, like the movie, like the way it presents them, they don't give me that that comic beat. And they don't play it like it's a it's a comedy beat. It plays it like it's this. It is kind of serious. I think some of them are are made to be kind of funny to lighten that these people are getting killed. I know it's just a weird like back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, it goes one way to the other depending on the character. Yeah, like there is one scene. It's the classic soldier going to sacrifice himself. Oh yeah, vast cast from Aliens. Right? Oh man. Earlier in the movie, the soldier explained how he carries this AK because he got it off of a Viet Cong farmer. What did that fucking goddamn monologue mean? Oh, dude, come on, man. That was That's on the nose as hell. He took some other farmer's weapon because it was a better weapon? No. But it's then because at the end, it's he to says, remind him that sometimes you don't have an enemy until you make one. Because the farmer wasn't their enemy. But what does that have to do with his AK-47? Because he stole the farmer's AK-47. I know. So what does that have to do with the first part of his story? You know what I mean? It has to do with what they're doing like, on I the under- island. Like, I understand the last part of his story and how that connects into a theme. But, like, the first part, it's like, how did how did you connect A to B? Uh, I don't know. It's just like how it comes up with the AK-47 and then his end well, note. He, he's sort of the thinker of the group. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get, like, generic cardboard down, like, of the soldiers, he's the... He's definitely not the poet in Saving Private Ryan. He's the introspective one, and for him, 
they they came up on this farm and there was a farmer there that tried to fight them. Okay, and yeah. they had to kill the farmer, and <laughs> for him, it was always he knew that that under different circumstances, that farmer wasn't his enemy, but the farmer became his enemy because they came there. Basically, he's saying that not all the bad guys are bad guys. So anyway, you fast forward, <laughs> whether you get it or not, I got it. No, I, I got what they were doing. It's just like when you listen to the the whole paragraph. Well, I think what the you problem I mean? is is it's that like it, it comes like the first two sentences and the goes, last two it, sentences. It goes back to what you were like, saying. What? Like there's these big action moments, and then there's these kind of funny moments, and then there's this introspective moment, and then there's this, and it's like okay, like how am I supposed to take some of this? So anyway, well, tell the story while we're on it. Okay. So later in the movie, that introspective soldier. He realizes that he doesn't have a family and he doesn't have anything to go home to. And he looks at his brother soldiers and they're struggling to get across this marsh area. And he's like, just go. And he drops, thematically drops the AK. And he turns and faces the skull crawler. And he grabs two grenades off of his belt. And he's going to let himself get eaten. And then he'll blow up inside the skull crawler's stomach. And it rushes towards him, opens its mouth, spins around, hits him with its tail, knocks him about 60 yards in the other direction, and he just blows up against the side of a mountain. It, it is awesome. He doesn't even hit the side of the mountain before he no. blows up. It and is like, great. The entire theater just cracked up. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to take this either. Like Even the guy that gets impaled with the spider leg. Man, that came out of nowhere. That is a great gag in the movie, but it's just like, I don't know how to feel about that. And you know the one that the audience that I was watching it with, the death that I think people had the weirdest time accepting was the, the kind of dick scientist dude. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're on the boat when all of a sudden the pterodactyl comes down and grabs him and then they yeah. rip him they rip his arms off. And they just everybody on the boat just watches it happen. Like nobody shoots the pterodactyls or anything. I know that guy, like dude. Like everybody just stands there <laughs> and like, you could hear the audience go, oh. Even though, like, you can tell, like, they kind of made, trying to make him out to be, like, the jerk that you want to see get killed. The way they presented it, you're like, man, I don't want to see anybody go like that. That looks painful. Those fucking weird-ass little birds. Brie Larson was awesome. I thought she was really good in it. The first time they did those little um, photography montages, I mean, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this, but... As those went on throughout the movie, I really warmed up to them. I totally changed my opinion on those throughout the movie. And they used it. I thought they it used nice it breaks. sparingly and in the right places. Yeah. Like you see them, you see her taking the pictures of the soldiers on the boat, and then later she's taking pictures of the natives, which in this movie look Asian. Funniest line in the movie. They're building the boat. John C. Riley's there. They're kind of catching him up on everything he's missed. And then the scientist dude goes, we put a guy on the moon. And he turns and looks at him and goes, just leave him there? What's he eat? Well, spam and stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> when he said, you just leave him there, everybody cracked up. All the John C. Riley moments, dude, I have nothing bad to say about him. Oh, oh okay. Man. Maybe maybe the last moment, because that's another one of those tonal shifts. When he meets back up with his family at the end My of the movie. My wife was bawling. He's heartwarming, but he's kind of comic relief. And then to give him such closure at the end of the movie over any other character, I don't know, it's just, 
Well, I asked my wife, like, how would you have taken the movie if you didn't know what happened to him when he got back? Because, you know, he says the line, I just, I want the chance to see my son and wife. I know she's probably moved on. And the other soldier goes, oh, yeah, dude, she thinks you're dead. (laughs) Um, And then he cuts to him, like, really contemplating it and goes, yeah, she probably does. But I wouldn't blame her. And, like, that's a real moment for him. Yeah. And um, I asked her, like, well, would you have liked it as much if at the end you don't know what happened to his like what happened when he met up with his wife and kid and she said no like to her that really cemented that storyline yeah dude i mean talking with you right now i thought i had a problem with the script but like at, now as we're talking about that i think the problem was the direction there were some directorial choices that were made that yeah i i, I were not like consistent all the way throughout and you just feel them every now and again in the movie like, i mean the movie is completely entertaining it's you know It's nothing. It's exactly what you want. I know what you're saying, and it's nothing that's like bad. No, it's it's terrible. Those moments where you go from like real lighthearted comedy to something really serious, and there's no like breath between to kind of exactly to kind of let your brain switch to that gear. It's it's just like the time, like the moment we're talking about right now, where they're building the boat and they're talking about you know John C. Riley wants to see his wife at least one time and see his kid. And then the joke is thrown out, oh, man, dude, she thinks you're fucking dead. And But it cuts back to him, and he's all serious. You're not sure, like, am I supposed to laugh at that? Or am I supposed to feel bad that this guy realizes that even if he makes it back, the wife and a kid that he has may not want to have anything to do with him. They They're cutting back to, like, Sam Jackson and them, and it's about the time the crew, his soldiers, start questioning what he's doing. He wants to go get this this ammunition to blow up King Kong, but he's lying to the men about no, we're just going to go back and get Chapman. And later you find out Chapman is dead. He finds out Chapman's dead because the skull crawler spits up his, his skull dog tags, and his yeah. dog tag. Like they even have the what's his name, Tom Todd. Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, they have him straight out say he's he's losing it. Yeah, they get, they get to I, the point real quick. I, I think I think at that point they were like, we need to push this. Cause, because Sam Jackson's always fucking crazy. <laughs> that, that's part of my problem. Like, he looked crazy from the moment they got in the helicopters. Like, he never had... Well, he was kind of pissed. Like, his character, when we when you first meet right. him, he's, he's pissed that Vietnam's over. Right. I mean, he's, he's like, we're just leaving the war. I, but I thought he did that fine. He looked down he looked kind of haggard my problem with it is the moment they got into the helicopter and he starts acting like all right we're gonna go blow up you let's go you know doing the whole gung-ho thing he looked crazy from that point on he never looked any more crazy like he never got any like ticks or anything that said okay this guy is literally kind of breaking i wonder if that's why they they did like such a visual homage to Apocalypse Now with oh, like I think the so. sun in the background. They were just like, hey, look, we got to get this theme here I, through I as was best we can. very on purpose. I love how they tied it into the Godzilla world. Oh, okay. Yeah, we should talk about the uh, the end credit, post-credit scene. And even Kong himself. I mean, like, he's obviously a lot bigger in this, and they even say in the movie he is still growing. Yes, they do make a point of that. 
because the yeah the po- the post credit scene is uh, Tom Hiddleston starts it off with a f- with a funny little joke. It's, it starts in black with like, "Are you enjoying this sitting in the dark?" Yeah, you know, and then it cuts. Through I thought that was a kind a- of a smart little way to yeah introduce that scene. Are they really doing that? Yeah, at first I thought they were doing breaking the fourth wall thing, and then nope. Yeah, well, they well they cut to and they're in the interrogation room. I was like, oh, okay, and him and Br- Brie Larson are in there, and then you find out they come in and they they bring a projector in and you see cave drawings of Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah or King Ghidra. Man, it ends and you get that Godzilla roar, dude. Very last thing you hear. That is one of the best sound effects. Fucking nailed that Godzilla roar, right? They nailed Kong's what? roar right in this movie as well. I like the way Kong, Kong looks really tough in this movie. Dude, Kong looks badass. Like the just the the molars is like uh, he's got his two fangs in the top and his two fangs at the bottom. They looked great when he was roaring. He was muscular. Um, I, I liked how they kind of went away from Peter Jackson making him look like a silverback gorilla, and uh, he's, he's almost brown in color, kind of giving him that Bigfoot look. Definitely got bigger biceps, broader shoulder. You I, know, one of my one of my favorite like Kong scenes in the movie is when uh, Chapman makes his way down to the water and he's oh. getting something to drink, and then Kong comes around the mountainside, right? And it's great visual, like, to get across how big he is. He reaches down and gets a cup, like, a handful of water. And the water that's spilling out of his hand sounds like a fucking waterfall just crashing back into the water. The sound effects are amazing. Yeah, they do a really good job. And then out of nowhere, he yanks this giant octopus up out of the water and starts eating that motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, dude, that is great. He starts, like, sucking it up like like a noodle. Yeah. King Kong, you know, we're talking about, you know, Fay Ray and uh, Jessica Lange, and he's grabbing these women. Like, you know, Brie Larson gets in his hands at the end of this movie. And, like, oh, and there, it, it is she a, is there, small. There is a hilarious yeah, cut. If you think about, like, what had to happen between the cut and the time Middleton gets there to save her, there's a shot of her, like, like a penny in Kong's hand. Oh, at the very end? And he, he's going to lay her gently down on the ground. The shot is his hand coming down to the ground, but she's still a good, like, six feet off the ground. And then it cuts to Kong walking off and her laying all crooked in these rocks. So the only thing you're left to imagine is he had to just dump her. (laughs) And it couldn't have felt good. Good luck on the way down, baby. I mean, hey. I mean, it was a smart idea to cut away from it and not show her, like, tumbling down his hand and half dying. Because that is one thing about, like, you know, some of these giant monster movies, yeah. especially King Kong, the way he catches Fay Ray and Naomi Watts. Like, dude, that would break her neck. <laughs> just the, the impact alone. I liked that they didn't go with the whole, like, Kong holding the girl. How do you, th- how do you like the way that he that. killed the giant? Oh, that was great, too. And you know what was awesome? Like, I did not catch it first viewing, but second uh, viewing. He still has Brie Larson in, in his, his hand. hand. Yeah, when he reaches down in that fucker's well, throat, well, it starts and to swallow her, and he just yanks out all of its internal organs. Brie Larson, you're gonna have to go in these guts. I'm sorry, honey. Oh man, it was great. I it, don't think it quite topped the end of Godzilla, but no, no. It, it was a it was a good final kill. Man, it I was, was very satisfied. It, yeah, it, it didn't quite top the back spike start to light up, and Godzilla just yanks open. 
the thing's mouth and yeah. vomits fire down its throat. Oh, that's so but great. I yeah, I, I have to admit I wasn't expecting him to just reach down and pull its innards out. Yeah, I was I was kinda expecting him to like rip it like I thought he was gonna jaw. do the mouth jaw break yeah, thing. Exactly. I liked in the last fight where uh the thing's tail starts going around his neck like that little snake creature did in the original 33 version. Yeah. You know, and it's I l- always loved that visual of that tail going around his neck and like the way his hands come up and grab at it. During the fight, he falls backwards and gets trapped in an old ship that's Oh, yes. And he's wrapped up in these old chains. Nice little 33 callback. And he has to break loose, and then he has, like, these chains that are now hooked to the propeller of this giant ship, and he uses the propeller as a weapon. It's pretty awesome. It's like King Kong meets Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> it, it was it was really good. I was impressed with that uh, in-battle scene. and I mean, even even the scene with the, the skull uh, crawlers chasing around the humans in, like, the graveyard. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. That was a cool scene. Um... Up until Tom Hiddleston wearing the gas mask with the samurai sword, I thought that was kind of... That was out of place. That was really out of place. It was like from 300. But everything else was great in that scene. I love the that. I love the gag with the uh, flash from John Goodman's camera through yes. the fog. That was, that was a pretty good gag. No, see, I think that's when the movie knows exactly what it is, and it delivers it perfectly. Like, I loved that. Like these skin cra- or skull crawler things have kind of thin skin. One of them eats John Goodman, and they're in this like Kong family graveyard. And yeah, it's kind of sad. It's pretty thick fog; you can't see very far. So they're all like huddled together. And Goodman was about to take a picture when he gets eaten. So he was warming up the flash. And the only way you can tell where the skull crawler is is watch the flash move through the fog. Like, that was a good visual gag. And you're like, oh. And then you're thinking, oh, man, that's John Goodman in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kept I kept waiting for him to get, like, po- pooped out or spit back up later. Because, you know, they, they spit the skull up in that scene later right. with the dog tags. And I was like, oh, man, they're gonna, he's going to spit, like, John Goodman up later. He's going to hack something up. Or- I thought they were going to play back on the camera. Like, he would spit the John Goodman in the camera back up. Yeah. I and there would be something, something on the that. film is what I thought they were going to do. I, I almost like want to see like if there was any deleted scenes or. I'm sure there are. I, I have a feeling this movie was probably about 20 minutes longer. I'm you know I'm glad it's short though, man. I am too. I think the runtime is good. It is but very something, perfect. Going back to like that, those those quick moments in between these juxtaposition of emotions that you're supposed to be having. Something tells me it was a little longer, and test screenings they brought it down. And this is this is all speculation. Like I have no idea, but I mean, overall, I think they did a good job. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very it's pleased. Kind of, man. It's kind of fun, like getting these like Toho monster movies made with 180 million dollars. <laughs> dude, I am ready to see King Kong and Godzilla battle. Dude, I am ready for it. Well, you got, I am you got, so you fucking watch, excited. Who's he fighting in the next one? Mothra, Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidra. So you gotta yeah. get past that one first. Oh, dude, I'm ready for that. I mean, that's that's the same monster lineup from uh, Ghidra, the three headed monster, which is see, I don't know, I don't know how I'm, gonna, I don't know how I'm gonna take Godzilla versus King Kong because Godzilla's is like take it is an awesome it. force, but Kong's relatable. Like, I don't want Kong to lose. You like both of them, and you know, like for different reasons. 
I don't want either one to win or lose. You know, I, I thought you were a more Godzilla fan. I am a more Godzilla fan overall. I mean, like Godzilla's had a lot more movies though, so yeah. you can do a lot more right and a lot in, more interesting things when you've made thirty <laughs> movies. It just it just always makes me anytime there's this like you know Godzilla versus King Kong, it, it, any of that like makes me think about when Freddy versus Jason was coming out, and a friend of mine, I was like, man, I hope they don't mess this movie up, and he goes, dude, the only thing they need to do to make this movie fun is like black screen a ring announcer comes out and goes <laughs> ladies and gentlemen freddy krueger jason Voorhees, fight i don't know how i feel about that movie man i have mixed feelings about that film i, I, I do I'll, too I, I do too the first time i saw it i liked it i enjoyed uh, it well okay enjoyed it That's yeah I, I i definitely enjoyed it i don't know if i liked it even I, on I first thought, viewing I thought it was an interesting way to get these two very different characters together. I've liked it less every time I've seen it. I love every Freddy Krueger moment for the most part in the film. And I thought it had one of the creepiest Freddy moments. The kid in the bathroom? That was a weird moment where it went from being this kind of lighthearted gore fest horror movie to holy shit freddy just got serious again like we just went back to original nightmare kind of creepy yeah but jason just jason is lacking in that movie man like he's just a force of nature i don't like the way jason looks in that film and i've if, never minded the way he looks if jason I looks i know bad, you want him to look like i want him to look like either part 4 part I 7 part 6 <laughs> Or part six. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll take that CJ Graham or whatever his name is. Or part seven or eight is kind of the way I figured. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, K- Kane Hodder. Yeah, yeah, that's well, the one I was thinking of. Part seven, I think. Yeah, that's that's the best zombie Jason's part seven. And part seven, let, let's just admit it. Somebody went. Wouldn't it be cool if Jason could fight Carrie? Well, I mean, that was supposed to be Freddy versus Jason part seven, but they can we get the rights fucking- to Carrie? No, I'll just change your name. Fuck the rights up, and then yeah, then they wanted to go with some Carrie crap, and I know it's not a great movie. I never, I never really minded the way he looked in Freddy versus Jason. No, in the back of his head, it's too bald. It's, it's way too wispy. The the way the mask sits on the head, and the way they shoot it in the sides. Ah, see, it never bothered me. His head's all black. The only part that bothered me when like his that. mask came off, and when they like Freddy was doing that like dream of when he was a little kid. Oh, that was terrible. Like, I didn't yeah. like that. And I don't know. The first time I saw it, I, I I enjoyed it enough to overlook a lot of stuff. The second time, I, I kind of felt like I was watching the Scooby-Doo guys deal with Freddy and Jason. To me, it really feels like, okay, the Mystery Machine kids are now dealing with Freddy versus Jason. But how do you and make they that even movie have not a band? goofy? I mean, how do you make it not goofy, though? Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of And do kinda... you have to rip off Jay from Silent Bob? That, no, that, you don't have to do that. That character is a straight-up ripoff. Yeah, you do not have to do that. I'll agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it, but it is one of those movies that... Like, we were talking about the other day of doing doing a podcast about movies that when you first saw it, you didn't like it, and then <laughs> more you watched, you like, and movies that the first time you saw it, you raved about it, and then the more you watched it, you didn't like. That would be yeah. one that, like, when I first saw it, I left the theater going, they nailed it. They did it great. It was awesome. It's a silly movie, but I enjoyed it. To uh, Watching it with my daughter at home going, hmm. We, we really haven't talked to uh, uh, trailers much recently. 
You, have you seen anything new coming out? Uh, you excited about? There's some alien thing that looks pretty good. Oh, Alien Covenant looks amazing. Are you insane? No, it looks great. Yeah, that does look pretty good. That looks pretty good. I've heard Get Out is good. I haven't seen it yet, but Get Out is great. I've seen that. I've heard some people raving about that. You need to watch it so we can. Um, I've actually we can rap about it. I've brother. actually been doing a little bit of writing, so takes away from my online time. And then, like last week, my bowels was possessed by Satan. Yeah, I spent a day of my life just in the literally laying in my bathtub with in the, the fetal hot, position in the fetal position. Yes, in the fetal position with a towel as a pillow. This is this is so bad. I'm sorry water. to laugh. I don't mean to laugh. Oh, it's funny dick. now, but while I was going through it, it was like, kill me now, Vincent. Final thoughts. I really like Kong Skull Island. I I think. It's a great way to introduce Kong into this monster verse as a bigger version. Uh, it doesn't tamper with the original, you know, story at all. If you know, if you want to just take this movie as like a beginning point for Kong, it's a cool way to like start with this and then move into the monster verse. But you still have the original King Kong to go back and get that Beauty and the Beast story. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are two very different genre stories. Like, this is an action movie about a giant gorilla killing some people. King Kong is, you know, a Beauty and the Beast story where this monkey falls in love with this doll-sized blonde and then has to die for it. I think they did a great job, too, of filling the movie with, you know, characters that are characters and are interesting. And I I don't know, man. I, I feel like... Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson's characters were extremely underdeveloped for me. Those were the two most underdeveloped. I will give you that. They were just shallow. Like, Brie Larson, like, literally all she gets is she shoots. She's a hippie photographer. <laughs> She's an anti-war photographer. Yeah, she, she takes pictures during the Vietnam looks, War. She looks good in a white tank top. I get a little bit of her personality. Like, she's a nice lady. I think she, she's a good enough actress that she can pull that off and she, make it come through. You know, well, that's her job as an yeah. actress. And, you know, like, she's an anti-war photographer, but she's not being mean to the soldiers. She's not, like, you know, she's taking their pictures. And they, yeah. you know, some of them have a little snide comment for her, and she just lets it brush off. Uh, she's in a world where she's, you know, everybody thinks she's a man because of her name, but she has to kind of be strong, but she's still... Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. You're right. You know, she still can, you know, be soft and fun at the same time. Like, all of that kind of helped me with her character. Middleson's character is so <laughs> generic. Tom Middleton is totally generic in it, this. He is totally the former CIA, KGB, whatever he was. Yeah, like all... Super soldier <laughs> that... X-007. Can, yeah, he's, he's James Bond without the coolness. I don't really get into him character in the movie. He's there to save people when people need saving. Yeah, not there too are much else. side characters that have more backstory than he does. Yeah, he's kind of like the Steven Seagal, like uh, under siege character. Like, yeah, I'm here to kick some ass. <laughs> when the shit gets crazy, I'm gonna get you out. Right, but that's all he is. Yeah, it, it doesn't really. I mean, they tried to add something with his dad, with the the Air Force thing and his lighter, but it doesn't. That didn't really pay off or really go anywhere. No, it's just so that she can have the lighter later to catch some shit on fire. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. I, I do I do have some problems with this movie, but the good does outweigh the bad. You're right about that. I mean, it, look, if you're going to go see a movie that's called Kong Skull Island, this I mean, is a movie you're going to enjoy. I mean, yeah, you can't go into it expecting Apocalypse Now. Although it does make it, you think it references of a lot. it a lot. <laughs> it but... does reference it visually a lot. What? Okay, the music. I had a problem with the music in this movie. I can't remember any of the actual score like I could for Godzilla. And they used a lot of the 60s and oh, I 70s. Loved it. I thought it was great. I felt like every montage needed to be in, uh, accompanied by 70s rock songs. I don't know. Yeah, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, I like awesome. every single time. It's like or or Black Sabbath or something like that. And yeah, this it was is awesome. Like, like one or two times for a mood setting, you know, like to set your tone, set your place where you are in this world. This is after Vietnam. I'm good with, but when it kept going on later in the movie, I started to have a problem with it because it, it felt out of place with the film that it became. Does it have, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, tropes and standard screenplay plot points? Yes. You know, the Japanese and American soldier both crash on the island. They try to kill each other, but then you find out that they became brothers and they promised they would never get off the island alone. Oh, and we just so happened we're making this boat for 20 years, and we couldn't get it to run, but I'm sure with the three of us working on it, we'll get it running in the day, because you can't yeah. get to the northwest part of the island with on foot, but we could on this boat. I mean, yeah, there are some, like, what's it, cliche, that's the word I'm looking for, cliche moments. Yeah, yeah. But they're hidden they're in enough good stuff that you just don't care. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, I mean, the the fight scenes are good enough. The Kong scenes are great. I mean, that's that's the real thing here. They got Kong right. Like, yeah. they got Godzilla right for me and, and that. They get Kong right here, and that goes a long way. And it gave, I mean, for me, it was kind of cool because it gave Kong a story that he was involved with that I haven't seen yet. We're not retelling the, they found the island, they get Kong, take him back to New York, like, I was kind of worried that was what this was going to be. I, you know, I did too, kind of. You know, like I after the first were, hour and a half. I thought they were going to give me a new version of King Kong, and then the end of the movie, instead of him dying, he would be laying there hurt, and that would set up yeah, later. Right. I almost thought that uh, that Samuel Jackson's character was actually going to capture King Kong. That I thought, like, and from that, the trailers, that's kind of what I was getting. Yeah, that, that skull crawler was going to sneak on board somehow, that real big one, and that they were going to fight New York or something like that. That's I almost thought they were going to do that for a second. I, I'm I, with you. From the trailer, I kind of thought we were getting a re-envisioning of the Kong story. You know, Brie Larson would be the Fay Ray character. And it, yes. And I honestly thought the end of the movie would be Sam Jackson and them taking him out and... But he's not dead yet. And we'd find out that right at the end of the movie, he's still alive and they're going to put him somewhere safe. One thing I really did like was, you know, they didn't have that romance between Tom Henderson and Brie Larson. First, when they started holding hands, I was like, oh, okay, here we go with the love story. But the whole emphasis is put on like Kong and you see those skeletons side by side in the movie and you're like, oh my God, he's remembering his, his parents. Right, he's relating to that interaction. Yeah, and it's like, oh man, that was a good way to use it, dude. Yeah. I, I thought that was well played. And I was like, all right, okay, all right, well done, movie, well done. You know, at first they're flying through to drop the sub, the bombs that blow up and map the inner 
underground stuff. Yeah, subterranean. Subter- that's the word I would keep looking for. I forget what they call it. They call it subterranean something. Yeah. Like subterranean pockets or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, at first it just seems like Kong is attacking them out of nowhere. And then later you find out, no, he's attacking them to make them stop before they wake up the giant. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> he can't handle the giant skull crawler by himself. He can handle yeah, he the can. little ones. He can't handle the bed. Oh, he can handle the big one, bro. Uh, he he did, though. <laughs> he stepped up to the plate. <laughs> he had some help, though. They shot the big thing with uh, that is true. machine they, guns. They, did. they all teamed up at the end and took out the giant skull crawler. Yeah, they actually make the humans uh, actually have a, have a purpose at the end. They give them something to do. I did like, too, right at the very end when they they finally make it to the north end of the island. And the helicopters are coming in to pick him up, and Kong sees the helicopters and starts growling. Oh, yeah. Does the classic uh, beat thought, his chest. Oh, he's about to take out these helicopters. It's, I don't know. It's it's a fun movie. It is done well enough that if this is a movie that interests you, I think, I think you're going to enjoy it. If you like fun movies, you'll enjoy it. Escapist entertainment. I, I do not feel like it's on that it level. It feels really good to come, Godzilla. you know, like... To have some good escapist entertainment after the Oscar season. <laughs> that is true. Like, after like, you've seen Moonlight, La 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 All Land. these weighty movies, you're like, all right, yeah, just, just, yeah, some cliches, some tropes, some jokes. All right, giant monkey, got it. You know, hey, watch Manchester by the scene, follow it up with uh, uh, King you know, Kong. <laughs> exactly. Balance your uh, entertainment out proper. I I have never understood. Like you'll hear a lot of um I call them um film snobs that only want to see the meaningful arty thematic films and they'll just shit all over like popular culture escapist entertainment. Man, that's what I grew up on was the escapist entertainment. Like that's what made me fall in love with movies in the first place. I couldn't appreciate the art films if it wasn't for King Kong. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, well, shit, dude. I think King Kong, like, especially the 33 King Kong, I think that is the art film now. You know, it's like that's that's how it's shifted. We're at that, that weird place where once was B-movies in the 50s and 60s, yeah. that's now like mainstream Hollywood blockbuster fare. And think those movies... Well, you know what I mean, though? Like, you hear people like... Yeah. You'll hear certain people no, that I know are exactly down. It's the summer movies, and they don't want to yeah. go see the summer movies. I can understand enjoying these, you know, smart, well-made movies. But it's these summer blockbusters that lured us all in in the first place. I think that's the real thing to admire in an art form. When you're able to tell, like, Steven Spielberg or Alfred Hitchcock, you look at these directors, or even Kurosawa, they're able to take these amazing sequences that are so entertaining, so thrilling, they put them in a story, and they're they're still fun. You can still rewatch them over and over and over again. Yeah, like, I'm never gonna get tired of watching the Birds or Vertigo or Close Encounters of the Third Kind or, or Jaws. E. or Jaws. Yeah, exactly. I'm not or Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm not gonna get tired of watching these movies, and I feel like they they capture the art in the entertainment. You know, I think Jaws proved that. I mean. I mean, that's. I think that's one of the most artful films ever done. I mean, like some of the shots in that, and the shots are edited and sequenced to tell the story and how they're told. But it's it, it's well, brilliant. I mean, let's let's face. If it was if it was a little bit more of a highbrow movie, though, then they would be out to protect the shark and 
someone would be cheating on someone and they'd have to emotionally deal with that. PETA would get involved. And- I wouldn't say that's highbrow. I'd say that's, that would be the pretentious movie. Which is different from all right, okay, like, like okay. You, you can you, know, you can make you know heart the movie. You know the movies know I'm exact, talking about. I know exactly. Clint what would you're be gay. <laughs> it would be like uh, P.T. Anderson's Magnolia, where it's just like it's, fucking it's all pretentious the bullshit tropes. <laughs> yeah, it's like come on, man, stop being so pretentious and just just tell your story, make it entertaining. It's weird. Like sometimes you can see a filmmaker like P.T. Anderson's a great one, where I think like he made Magnolia. Which I think is just a, like pretentious garbage. But then that man, he's made Boogie Nights, and he's made um, There Will Be Blood, Punch Drunk Love. All three of those movies are masterpieces, man. Like that's that's how you want to make movies. You want to make them enjoyable, but at the same time, there's so much more. That, you know, like there's a reason to rewatch it. Dude, I grew up on giant monsters. I mean, that was my that was my entry to horror films were, were giant monster movies because I can't remember what the age was when we were growing up. Now, were these like VHS rentals? You would go rent the VHSs? Oh, some of them. But I mean, like some of them were just like, you know, just like, even watching them on TV, you know. Like that's how you would see a movie for the first time a lot yeah. of times is it would come on TV and like you'd look in the TV guide and you'd be like, holy crap, this is coming on on Friday and you'd have to be at home on Friday. Yeah. My kids have no idea how to like even use the guide. I, I remember Jurassic Park coming on TV. That was a huge, huge deal. Like I remember people staying home because they're like, oh, dude, I no, I can't do anything. Right. Tonight. Jurassic Park's Jurassic coming Park's on TV. Jurassic Park's going to be on TV. <laughs> Back to the Future comes on tonight. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was such a big thing. Like, these movies were showing at a certain time. Uh, A View to a Kill, the the James Bond movie. Roger Moore's last Bond film. I remember that coming on TV. That was a big, that was an ABC movie of the week. And that was a big deal. And, like, we stayed home on that Saturday night. And and I taped it off television. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is. I can remember, like, we would get the TV guide on on Sunday and it would be for the whole week and it'd be in the newspaper. And I would start on Sunday, and I would look through all week to see what movies were going to be on. Now, like trying to even explain to my kids like how to use the guide on the DirecTV, they're like, "This this doesn't make sense. What do you mean it's not on yet? Why can't we just stream it? Because it doesn't come on until tomorrow." Dude, I I think about all the time like if TBS and WGN had not existed, who would I be? <laughs> We'd probably both be doctors. Yeah, right. Like, like who would I be if Rich. I if if these two TV stations had not shown the content that they did during the eighties and early nineties? I would USA. be USA. Yeah, I'd be a different person. Well, think about it like this too. We're talking about like going out of our way to make sure we're at home to see <laughs> this movie. Yes, like that's gonna add a love for these. Like, even if the movie is terrible. By God, you've waited all week. You've canceled plans with people. You're at home. You're watching the movie. You're going to like the movie. This next generation that's coming up, they don't have to do that. Like It's available. They, there's no... That's true. There's no sacrificing their life to see this movie on Friday night or staying home on Saturday just so they can watch the frogs. Well, see, dude, look, those kids are going to miss King Kong Lives. Which is not streaming anywhere. It is not available anywhere, I'm just, I'm dude. I'm just curious, like, how is it going to affect their appreciation so for the actual products? That's to be seen. I mean, like, those are... 
I don't, I don't, I don't even Man, have. We had, to, a, we had to seek out content. We had to drive to a video store. Uh, no, dude, you would have to sweat blood and tears to <laughs> to get some content. Do you remember how frustrating it was, it was when amazing. you would go to the video store because a new movie had just come out and now you're on a fucking waiting list? Oh, dude, uh, no, I I just automatically assumed that I was not going to get that shit for a year, <laughs> for a year. And everybody in town has already called and put me on the list for yep. Back to the Future. I remember my dad actually went out and bought Terminator 2, Judgment Day, on VHS, because I wanted to see that movie again so fucking bad. My dad was like, fuck it, I'll just go and buy it. I'm just so sick and tired of this fucking kid bitching about uh, not first, seeing it again. I remember the first VHS we bought was Batman. Oh, man. The that, Tim that, Burton Batman. You get the Bugs Bunny cartoon in the beginning? You yep. got your Bugs Bunny hat? Yep. You got your Warner Brothers this? Uh, yeah, I remember the Diet Coke commercial in the at front. At that point, it was like, why would you put your name on the rental when you can go to this magical place called Blockbuster and buy it? That's when like Suncoast was actually charging like thirty dollars for VHS day. <laughs> oh and, yeah, but I would I do the it. math and I'd be like, but I'm gonna rent this at least ten times. It's worth it. All right, we have got to wrap this up. It has been way too long into the night. We have gotten way off topic of Kong. So I hope you enjoyed it. Later. <laughs> if you guys want to get in contact with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew. Crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E at gmail.com. That's our email address. Extra E at the end of crew, guys. And if you, if you can, stop by iTunes. Drop us a little five-star review. That would really help us out. Let's people know about the show. Like the more people know about the show, the more we shows we can do. And it would help us out. And you know, give us a follow on Twitter, tweet at us. We'll try we'll tweet back. Yeah. Hey guys and guys, let us know if uh if there's something you want us to cover or talk about, please. Just uh, not Dune. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Stop with the Dune request. Like seriously. <laughs> we'll get to it, guys. I promise. We're gonna get to Dune. I did not know that movie had such a huge cult following. We're, we're gonna do Dune. It's just there's you know other stuffs popping up, but yeah, if you have any requests, like there are times that we're like, what do we want to do this week? I don't want to do Dune this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to talk about space worms yet. Benson, where can people follow you, sir? At J Edward Benson on Twitter, and like I said, give us some reviews. Go drop drop some five star reviews. Help us out. We we put a lot of work into the podcast, so we would like to see it start rising on the old iTunes charts. That's right. And while you're at iTunes and you're rating the Movie Crew podcast like we know you're going to do, you should also head over to the movie section, rent Girl in Woods. Or just buy it. Or, or Yeah, or buy it. And then you, you know? can watch it anytime you want. Anytime we reference it on the podcast, you can pull <laughs> it up and be like, Ugh. It's nothing like they're describing it. All right, guys. So we're going to close out the show with a little bit of Henry. What the fuck is this dude's name? You're not just going to play some Credence? You want to you you play some Credence and just totally get into just 70s? Just do like a 70s little montage and then end it with some score. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll do some Credence and then we'll follow it up with a little bit of Henry Jackman score. Later, guys.
共同。